All right, Nuggets fans, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Brad Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am very excited to discuss the freaking finals as the Denver Nuggets win Game 4 over the Los Angeles Lakers. Final score, 113-111. They complete the sweep. Michael, can you do your best broom? Can you do your best well, brooming? I, I thought I had sweeping? one. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, if you don't know, Michael Ferrero, my producer on this podcast, he's joining us for this episode. Uh, we are. It's late. We're both tired. We are both having to be quiet, but we're going to do what we can to, to keep up this energy. Yes, these Denver Nuggets, they, they deserve so much love. They deserve all, not, all the love. It's not too late for you out there. You should be out partying. You, well, I really, I should be out partying. I've got yeah, an 11 a.m. flight. Now. 11 a.m. Like it's, I, but yeah, hey, maybe I should rebook the flight if we're being honest. Like, <laughs> ah, I just missed this one. Let's uh, let's get back at six as opposed to two in, in, in Denver. And that'll be fine. But yes, if you can uh, figure out where the team's at, go celebrate it with them. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like they we're. Definitely, definitely getting bottle service. The the team and I, team and Ryan, that'll be that'll be fantastic. Uh, the Denver Nuggets going to the finals. Like this is this is a big time moment. This is a big time moment in can franchise you, history. Can you imagine just six, seven years ago, just saying those words, like those words coming out of your mouth as a as you're a native too. I'm a native. You're a native. Yeah. In the Brian Shaw. Uh, on three era. Can you imagine we'd be at oh, this moment right now? This is that's, oh, this is incredible. That's one, two, three, six weeks right there. Yes. That's a that's an unbelievable moment uh, in franchise history, and it's very, very uh, opposite of of where this team is at now. This team is is grinding. They're battling. They want to get to that last moment. They've they've had those opportunities to. Uh, duck out before and and in previous iterations with this team maybe different cultures for this team they they decided to go a different direction but now this Nuggets team they they're absolutely legit it is super cool to see it's it's very exciting for them to be able to get this done and I'm just I'm was happy to be here for it because some of the shots that Nicole Jokic hit like it's just unbelievable man what what was it like watching uh watching downstairs for you. You know, what was crazy is I'm sitting there and the first half was, it was what it was. You knew that LA was going to throw everything they had into it. And so once LeBron, I mean, as, as much as I've, I've expressed my disdain for LeBron James, he was terrific in the first half. Oh yeah. And I thought they survived a couple of storms and 15's not small, but to keep it at 15, I thought maybe if they can come out and punch first and punch quick in the third quarter, they got a shot. And so once they did that, I was sitting on the edge of my seat the whole fourth quarter. When when Jokic hit the the Sambor shuffle three to put him up six, I was fist pumping and yelling. And you know, and we're dog sitting, so I have my dog here and the two other dogs. And the dogs were going crazy. And they were barking. I mean, it was it was so loud. But it was it was a, that might be. And I think I don't remember who said it. I don't know if Mike Green said it or if they said it on Sports Center right after. That might end up being the most iconic shot in Nuggets history. I mean, it's, falling away it's up there. at, at Sambor shuffle off the wrong foot, and they they slowed it down. He has the ball behind his head all the way when he shot that, and it was just nothing but net. I mean, it was unbelievable. And Shout the out. best the best part is the look that Anthony just just like in game one or game two. The game one when Anthony Davis stared at Jokic after he hit, yeah, I think it was when he stared yeah. at Jokic for hitting the buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter. The best part for me was looking over, and Anthony Davis looks over. Like this at him again. Like, do you not expect this now? He does this on a regular basis. Oh my god! Uh, shout out to Chris Smoove. Shot clock cheese is uh, is his common catchphrase. NBA two K. Uh, that's a that's a uh, throwback for me. I, I stopped watching Chris Smoove after a little bit, but uh, no, it's it's a it's very apt with what Jokic did, and he did it twice tonight. Like he did it twice. Nikola Jokic is just stupid. Like, it's just, it, it is stupid watching this dude and, and being able to see the journey from where he's come from. Like, he makes a lot of crazy shots, and he actually commented on it tonight and said, hey, sometimes, like, those shots at the end are the easiest shots. They're not the hardest shots because you just got to get a shot up and you just chuck it at the rim. Well, not everybody has the hand-eye coordination of Nikola Jokic or the poise or the 
uh, just the balance and ability to be able to do as crazy of shit as he does. But that is, you might be right. It might be one of the greatest shots in franchise history. And to be able to say that, that's, that's really cool. It could end up being a where were you type of moment. Like everyone remembers, like think of the most iconic plays in Denver sports history. The yeah. LA helicopter, the mm-hmm. Von Miller strip sack, mm-hmm. Matt Holiday sliding in and touch, touching the plate, which he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but I mean, it could go down as one of those type of moments. Like Mike Breen gave it a bang. It was one of the most important. I mean, that was almost, I don't want to say it was the dagger because it got close again. And obviously, oh, LeBron yeah. had a shot to tie it there. But I don't know what it sounded like for you in the arena, but watching on TV, it sounded like all of the life just sucked out of crypto at that point. I mean, it was just, you could hear a pin drop. It sounded like on TV. And I can imagine what it was like there because it was loud there for a while in the fourth. And then they just, it would just shut down. There were gasps. There were, there were gasps of horror at, at him being able to hit that shot. And especially because he had done it earlier in the game too, on that, it was another crazy step back. I think it was in the second quarter, but him being able to like step all the way back from basically like at the free throw line, escape yeah. dribble, going like straight backwards and the trebuchet, getting the ball up over his head and slingshotting it through the net is it's disgusting. <laughs> it's frankly disgusting. And you know why people hate the Nuggets? It's because they feel like, oh, they're getting lucky with these okay, shots. They're we, getting we lucky. Talk about that for a second. Sure. Jokic has made that shot time and time again over the last I mean, he kind of coined that four or five years ago when he had his hurt ankle and he had to shoot off the wrong foot. Or yeah, he's calling it the wrong foot. But he's made that shot a bunch of times in his career. If we're going to talk about lucky, how about LeBron trying to throw an oop in the first quarter that just happened to go in the hoop? That's right. That is lucky. Okay? That's true. When That's definitely true. Over and over again throughout his career, it's not luck anymore. And so, no, yeah, and he, here, he does some... Nuggets are lucky, but they shot like that the whole series. And... Now, I think what, what some people will say is that, oh, they out, they outperformed every game. They outperformed it every time. But, I mean, here's here's the thing. The Nuggets, they, they had no fear of the Lakers. They had no fear of the Lakers' defense. And I think you could see in the previous series that the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies kind of feared them. They feared the rim protection of Anthony Davis. And when Jokic took it to AD in that first game, I I think it really set the tone in terms of, hey, this is what you're going to expect. This is not the matchup that it was in each of the two first series. And and while AD is still a a fantastic rim protector in his own right and and his ability to kind of do it in help side most of the time, like, I mean, Denver still attacked him. They still they still found ways around him. Jamal Murray was hunting him. Like it's it's very clear that the Nuggets just they did not respect him in the way that other teams did because they knew they could get around it. It just didn't matter what he had to do. I also think that I don't want to know. I don't know if I would say it surprised them, but it seemed like the depth of the Nuggets just overwhelmed LA. And I think the the thing when you have a superstar who is so selfless and so team first and so I want to win over everything oriented, I mean, it rubbed off on all of them because he had six assists in the first quarter. He right. really was looking to shoot. He was just dishing in Casey. He was hitting shots, and Mike was hitting shots. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jamal hit shots here in the second quarter that kind of kept them sort of within rhythm. Um, Bruce made play. Like, you can go down the list, and all seven guys really did something that was – I don't know if Jeff really had an impact on the offense. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff somehow accumulated a block in this game, and I do, do not remember it at all. <laughs> but but my point is, is that – they had so much effort and energy spent focused on guarding Nikola Jokic, and rightfully so. I mean, he's the best player in basketball, but the dude just doesn't care about his own stats. And I yeah. love what Michael Malone said about where's all the stat padding rumors coming out now in his postgame presser because it's the dude just wants to win. And I think it's become very apparent that he does not care about his personal. The best part of that was when, well, two, two, this is twofold. One, I was surprised that Lisa Salters knew who uh, Jokic was when she stepped on the court because she admitted earlier this week that, you know, I saw him in game one. He's really good. It's the first time I've watched him. Okay. But two, when they asked him what this Western Conference Finals MVP trophy means to him, he said nothing. He said he won it for his teammates. And that's just, to me, as a lifelong Nuggets fan, it's just amazing to hear that the best player in the world has that attitude because, you know, the rest of those guys in that locker room do too. It's been really cool to see. They just... 
they continue to shine. They continue to shine in the best ways possible. And Jokic is at the forefront of it all. He's at the center of it all and, and deserves this moment. I, I wrote about that in my post game that people should read over at milehighsports.com. All right, let's talk about Jamal real quick. Uh, he he made some interesting plays defensively. There were a lot of help side plays on that final possession that LeBron had. It was actually Jamal Murray who, who came came from across the lane and got into his driving space and I think made it an easier opportunity for AG to block the shot that he did, uh, just having to force uh, LeBron back into the middle of the floor a little bit. But Jamal also had 25. Like He also did what he normally does, uh, 10 of 18 from the field on, and 25 points. Five assist. I mean, Jokic, uh, he gets the, the day for sure. 30 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists, three blocks, one steal, 45 minutes played. Like That's an insane number. Do you know LeBron played the entire 48 minutes? Like, yeah, I, didn't, he, I, I didn't know that. He came off the floor with about four seconds left, and they showed on the broadcast. Mm. Um, I don't remember who was shooting free throws for. Like, it might have been Anthony Davis. LeBron didn't even stay to watch the end of the half. He was walking to the locker room. They had the, t- the cameras in the tunnel. He had his jersey off walking. I was like, you're not going to stay on the floor for the last four seconds, <laughs> really? You can't well, I mean, he's, uh, he's a little tired. Like, I, can, I can understand. Don't, don't use that excuse. There's water. There's Gatorade. There's a million towels on the bench. You can sit there and watch the rest of the half. Come on. Yeah, that's that's probably true. But, hey, when you're the king, you you get a little bit of special treatment. And that's okay. That's, yeah. that's fine. But, I mean, either way, Jamal, like, he he has stepped up in every single way possible. Before this game, he was averaging 35 points a night didn't need to be that level of like shot taker in, in this game. He took 18 shots and then still had 25, but uh, just did exactly what he had to do. I, I is it, is it crazy to say that the Nuggets had the number one and number two best players in the series? Oh, that's a good question. Because Jamal, hmm. was, in, in almost any other situation, I think Jamal wins player of the Western Conference Finals. He was think, outdone because his teammate averaged a 30-point triple-double. Yeah, I mean, that's good stuff. Good stuff amazing. from Nicola. <laughs> Jamal's not I, – I don't know if I would say it was a quiet 25, but, I mean, he. you look up at the box score and like, man, this guy's 25. He's impacted the game. Like you said, the play of the night defensively when he came over and got both hands on the ball. The only thing – and I was going to ask you about this. The only thing – that I didn't understand what Jamal did, and I didn't understand what Michael Malone was thinking. And I don't know if anybody realized it. There was 27 seconds left. LeBron missed a shot. Nuggets came down with the rebound. Two-second differential between the shot clock and the game clock. Why didn't they dribble it out? Why did they not take the shot with no time left on the shot clock, or one left on the shot clock with three? The ball goes up. Then the Lakers rebound with maybe a second. Instead, Jamal went to the basket like at six, missed, and the Lakers got the rebound with four seconds. And the Nuggets had two timeouts left. I don't know how. I I just I was screaming at the TV like <laughs> I, I don't know what it was like in the arena, but I was thinking it's pull from, it out from the shot, make them foul you, call a timeout. Somebody had to have noticed that. From my vantage point, just just in the press box, it wasn't like it's it wasn't great. It wasn't easy to see the clock and the game at the same time. Uh, so I didn't really even fully acknowledge like when he went because I, I thought he got a good shot if i'm being honest like i thought yeah, the look I was thought, fine, yeah. and yeah like, like so nitpicky because like I, I just said he you know if they would have given him the mvp i would have been okay with it i thought yeah. jamal was a superstar this is maybe me just being a little too picky and i would apologize to him because he's obviously yeah, like, I think it's fine. like hey i had a good look i took the shot i put the dagger <laughs> in. like they go up four no one's talking about that but i was just no, that's... a little curious about that that's probably the the right thought process there is that hey, it's not like he went with sixteen on no. the block. He went he went with like eight was seven, and yeah. then they, they got they got the rebound, called the timeout in his four seconds. And yeah, it's 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 a, a detail thing that they probably should have collected. It was interesting because they had gone to Jokic several times down the stretch there, and that was the first time that they really went to Jamal with the ball in his hands. And that it's not a surprise that that he ended up getting the shot in that situation. But oh, what a luxury that is that you don't have to worry that Jokic didn't touch the ball in that situation. I was completely comfortable with the, with the ball in Jamal's hands there. Isn't that great? Like, isn't that, 
that is a different feeling from how many Nuggets fans have felt for these last couple years, these last few years, if I'm being honest. It's like, hey, you always want the ball in Jokic's hands. Like Murray, like you don't want him like isolating in that situation. But I think he earned the benefit of the doubt in this series and in these playoffs. Just like, hey, you got a good matchup, go. Like you, you've been great. You, you, you got an opportunity here. Well, and I think it shows his growth and his maturity too. That yeah, he missed the shot. It wasn't a bad look by any means. But the play of the game that he made, and he had twenty five, was making making up for it on the defensive end of the floor the next time down. I mean, he yeah. he basically shut down the series right there. Got both hands on the ball. Gave Aaron Gordon a chance to slide over and defend without fouling and go straight up and block the shot. Says he only got two steals and one block, Jamal did, but it felt like more. It felt like he had a a greater impact than that, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was him or if it was more KCP, but there was a lot of of passes deflected on the perimeter. A lot of open Mm -hmm. shots that that L.A. could have had where the ball got deflected out of bounds or – Wing defenders were, were tipping passes. It's just it just seemed like there were a lot of active hands on the outside too, which was great. It's exactly what you need in a game like this. So uh, credit to him for sure. Uh, but tell you what, hey, let's let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the rest of the rotation, including Aaron Gordon, who I think deserves just a massive amount of credit for stepping up in this moment. Uh, deserves a ton. But first. Everybody, as you know, we're we're brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Bring that big bet energy this summer with Superbook Sports. They are the most trusted name in sports betting. And right now, use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Simply visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions or download the Superbook Colorado app in app stores. Enter the promo code MILEHIGH and you'll get 250 bucks, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. I know it's late. I know we we had to go live tonight because I've got an 11 a.m. flight. I did not think that waking up and doing the pod at 8 o'clock in the morning, it's 7.30 in the morning my time, and then 8.30 your time probably wouldn't have been a great idea, but so we're we're getting this out tonight. Hopefully, we, we hit that sweet sweet YouTube algorithm and, yeah. and have the have this hey thing man, pop. Honestly, you could have told me we're going at three thirty in the morning. I would have been pumped to do it anyway because this is just <laughs> it's, this is. I mean, the first time in franchise history, you could have said we're going to do it at any point. I would have been all in on it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. It's great. Uh, Aaron Gordon. Uh, let's talk about him a little bit. I had previously declared on the on the last episode. Uh, you're you're there for that. That. I, I didn't think that it was an Aaron Gordon series. I didn't think that this was the right series for him. And Denver closed with Jeff Green in game three. They had some success with that, spacing out the floor for Anthony Davis. And uh, Denver benefited from that in game three. But in game four, I think AG came to play. He was absolutely fantastic in this one and hit the shots that Denver needed him to hit. That was so massive, so, so massive for him. And uh, just, just, Tip of the cap to Aaron Gordon, who who steps up exactly when you need him to. Uh, the other thing, I know you look at the box score and LeBron has forty, but I thought I thought Aaron Gordon bothered him, especially in the second half. I think he was physical with him, and I don't. LeBron was different after their little scuffle. He really that was weird. Like because I, I I'm up in the presser, like I I don't see a lot of the details, and I look down and there's a scuffle, like like Aaron Gordon is being pushed away from LeBron James. I'm like. Okay, did he say something? Did LeBron like? Did he take exception to a hard foul or something? What happened? Did you have a chance to see the replay at all? No. They came down the floor. Gordon. I mean, he's trying to get into his space a little bit. Nothing crazy like defenders do often. Um, he kind of had his arm over LeBron's arm, so, so LeBron didn't like that. He kind of moved him, and he turned and and Gordon's arm was. And I don't think it was intentional. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. But it was very gently. Kind of caught him in the cheek a little bit. And LeBron took mm. into it. And then Aaron Gordon put his hands like you could. I think it was unintentional. Again, I'm wearing a Nugget shirt, so <laughs> maybe there's some fandom there. But LeBron then extended a forearm to to AG's throat and had it up 
up here and shoved him out. And like, he didn't bring it down for a good, probably 10 seconds. And I was thinking, and this was before I saw the, the, the hand of the face, but I'm thinking yeah. this is anybody other than LeBron James that might warrant an ejection. Yeah. It's a, that's, that's a weird, weird thing. They weren't going to do that. So it was, it was weird, but it almost kind of felt like, and I know LeBron was probably gassed in the second half, but it kind of seemed like that took him out of rhythm a little bit too. He just, he never really got going again after that. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's curious. It's just a, a curious thing to see. I'm, I'm, surprised if I'm being honest like I, I thought that LeBron would be a little bit better in the second half than he was like because he was he was dominating the first half like there's there's no doubt in my mind but and I think part of that too yeah and, and part of that was was he he made his shots and that was a big deal but uh part of it was Denver didn't really play defense like I, I don't think that Aaron played that great of defense against him and, and part of it was Jokic didn't play that great of defense when they brought him into the pick and roll and it took until the second half, and then he played great defense in the second half. I thought that Jokic did, and AG like it looks a lot better when the space is closed down and he's getting a little bit of help, and and then LeBron's a little bit more tired, and then that I I think all those things benefit for sure. But like AG deserves a ton of credit because this is a marathon, not a sprint, and I think LeBron sprinted out and probably gassed out, and that's that's probably how it goes. I mean, you're exactly right about the first and second half. The Lakers only scored 38 points in the whole second half. The defense was incredible. I yeah. think, I like you said, I think they just wore themselves out. They threw everything they had in the first half, and they ran out of gas as part of it. And I also think Michael Malone made a ton of defensive adjustments in the second half. I thought Jokic's defense was good, but I thought Aaron Gordon kind of spearheaded that. LeBron went three for 12 in the second half. He didn't. He never really got into attack mode. They, him and Jamal bothered him. Yeah, yeah, he still ended up with forty, but he only scored ten points in the second half, and it just seemed like everything he had to do was work for. He was distributing, distributing, addition. He was not able to ever get really downhill. He got downhill once or twice in transition, but in the half court set, it just it seemed like he never really could get into a rhythm again. I love it. I love it, and that's that's. I mean, he had a lot on his shoulders. I do think that, like, there's there's no doubt that. He would probably be better if he had a better co-star, but Anthony Davis kind of eh, he didn't eh. he, was not, he was not really a factor. Uh, yeah, I mean, like he got to the free throw line, like nice, and but like some of the the actual baskets that he made, it was just it was just very very frustrating. I think if you are a if you're a Lakers fan to have to watch LeBron do all of that in the first half and then. Then Denver creeps back. They creep on back. And uh, you see the, the reverse jinx that I dropped uh, yeah. at halftime? I also saw that someone tried to send that to the old takes exposed, and they responded to that too. That's how, he, that's how you know you've made it. Made it, baby. Like, hey, sometimes reverse. sometimes you just got to know what you're good at. Know, like, I, And I've, I've perfected my craft over the course of this playoff run, and that was, that was probably the best timing I've had on the reverse jinx. I'm not going to lie. Just like right before – the second half starts and they go on this massive run. And obviously they, they score 36, 16 out of the third quarter. <laughs> like that, that magic is real. Magic is real. It just, it's, I just, I, I have no other way to explain it. Like it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to track that. I hope you're available for this, for the entirety of the Jokic Porter Jamal era. They're going to have to hire me on as a chaplain. <laughs> somebody, somebody who like blesses the arena. Like, Maybe I could be one of those those witches that uh that that blesses the arena before before the game back works. in like the seventies. No, but to go back to your point, Aaron Gore, or Anthony Davis only had he had twenty one on fifteen shots. I mean, he was six for fifteen from the field. Did almost all of his work at the free throw line. Is if if that's the way that they're going to score points, and LeBron only had ten in the second half, man. That the, the just it, the amount of defense they were able to throw at him. With getting contributions on the offensive end from KCP and Aaron Gordon tonight, it was he just he looked like Aaron Gordon from before the All Star break tonight. I, I don't know yeah. if you have that feeling, but he had some bounce. He was hitting shots. Um, he was aggressive. He was everywhere. The, I think my favorite play of his is Jokic just fading away. Um, I don't know if he got hit or if he got doubled, and he he threw up like an air ball three feet short, and AG was there to collect it and throw it in. And he dumped it. I don't know if they gave Jokic an assist or a missed shot, but 
those are the kind of hustle plays that Aaron Gordon has kind of feasted on since he's been here. No, he's been great. And uh, I asked him about his relationship with Nicola and, and he's he waxed poetic on it. So if you if you guys are interested in a detailed response on that, go check out the feed uh, NBA Blackburn. Uh, just like amazing stuff from AG. Like he is, say AG is the new Mr. Nugget. Mr. Nugget. Hey, I mean, has got it right. They got it right, baby. <laughs> let's seriously let's before we move on, like dive into this real quick. The dude came here after being the the go to guy in Orlando. Knows he's probably the fourth option here. Never complains about anything. Has to guard every opposing team's toughest player. He's had to have. He's had to guard Carl Anthony Towns. He's had to switch on Anthony Edwards. He had to guard Devin Booker. He had to guard Kevin Durant. He had to guard LeBron James. He was on Anthony Davis for tough stretches. And dude just goes out and does his job. Flies out to Serbia to see Jokic in the in the summer. Like, I mean, dude might be Mr. Nugget now. I don't know. So I, I think there's no question, if we're being honest. Like, Porter's too good. Murray and Jokic, obviously, too good. Like, like those guys are, those guys are, they they mean even more. But, like, you need an award to, to be able to credit those kinds of folks. And AG just embodies what that means. Like, he's, he is the ultimate hype man for the rest of his team doesn't need to have his own individual shine, but when he does shine, it feels all that much better. So I, I totally love to see it. Like it, it's hard not to love it. He's going to, going to have his hands full with Jimmy Butler though. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's going to be, that's going to be crazy, but uh, Hey, I mean, good, good for her AG. If anybody can do it, he's the guy. So we will see. Uh, let's come, let's talk about some of these other guys before we, before we take another break here. KCP, I have the same, uh, tag as I did previously steps up right when you need him to uh, just a fantastic KCP performance hit the clutch like not the clutch three but like the the important three two two back to back in a row uh, in that first quarter just to get the the ball rolling a little bit and one of those was an and one in the left corner that was a big deal hit another three throughout the game and made some great defensive plays there was one play where Jokic is isoed against LeBron and and like KCP is having to do he's having to defend two guys by himself on the strong side of the play and he rotates out there lightning fast when when LeBron passes the ball to the wing and I think it was Austin Reeves who then tried to pass it to the corner and he deflects it this was right at the end of the game and like he just makes these plays he makes these smart veteran savvy plays and they win you games. That's that's just those are plays that don't show up in the box score at all. And they win the they win the game. That's just who he is. It's just awesome to have a guy with championship experience on your roster that can be the vet but isn't 40 years old and he's not the Udonis Haslam vet. And I love Udonis Haslam, but he's 58 years old. How old is Udonis really? 42? 43? <laughs> it's like, like 59. KCP can still play. And he hits the the thing I like about KCP is he's always ready. He's always shot ready. He knows he's not. Same thing with Aaron Gordon. Both of the fourth know that the fourth or fifth option would probably get up seven to eleven ish shots per game. Yeah. Um, but man, he hits big shots. He's never afraid of the moment. Um, when he made the and one layup to put the Nuggets ahead, it got Jokic fired up. He was fired up. Like that felt like the turning point in that game. And I know that the stars did a lot tonight, but I felt like without KCP and without Aaron Gordon, they probably don't win that game. Like it was a concerted effort from all five starters tonight. And I thought he only had, I think he had 13 tonight. What did he have? Yeah. He finished with 13, 13. but it seemed like every time he hit a shot, it was big. It got, it ended runs in the first half. It got him going in the second half. He was able to shoot. He was able to hit threes, but he was also able to get himself to the rim. And he's another guy that he's kind of like Aaron Gordon. He doesn't back down. He's not. He's he's tough. He brings a championship hard-nosed mentality to the defensive end of the floor, which is something they just have desperately needed on the wing for so long just because the only guy they really had to do that before was Gary, and Gary just couldn't stay healthy. The end one to put them up was so big. Like there was a, There was a ton of momentum there that the building was already getting antsy in that, okay, you, you saw that the Lakers had a 15-point lead coming out of halftime, but they're just chipping away and chipping away. And then Darvin Ham calls a timeout and it's down to seven or eight. And then they they try to push it back up to double digits, but then Denver chips away again, chips away again. And it's 
uh, that you're down, like you're, you're up one if you're the Lakers and like right at the end of the third quarter, basically. And Denver gets that possession where he gets the end one off the back cut from Jokic. And, and it was, uh, such a fantastic play and such a fantastic delivery from him. And now Lakers fans look up at the scoreboard after the timeouts called and Denver's up one. Like after everything and how it felt, like it, all the all the momentum was sucked out of the building. And he's just so good at, like KCP is just so good with his timing. Like he knows exactly when to show up, how to show up, how to be the guy. And it's like, where would Denver be without KCP and Bruce Brown? Like they they would be dead. No, you're exactly right. It's it's depth on the wing that they've desperately needed for so long. Hundred uh, percent. Let's go now, Michael Porter. Missed, missed shots, but made other plays. Like, had another 10 rebounds tonight and, like, did did hit a couple here, but, like, still didn't feel like it was his best shooting performance. Five of 16 from the field, three of 10 from three, but had a block in that first quarter. Uh, only had one assist. We're, we're not getting Michael Passer Jr. this time, but uh, <laughs> still, still, hey, 10, 10 rebounds, and, and some of those rebounds were big. I'm not going to lie. Michael Passer Jr. is fantastic. <laughs> I don't think I've heard you say that before. I, I think that's a that's a Brendan vote. Is a uh, shout out to that's great. That's my second DMVR shout out. Come uh, on, guys, you, you better pay me. <laughs> we we talked about stock up, stock down about Michael Porter last series, and I said he's about even. I think you said down, and I know he shot didn't shoot great tonight, but he was to me. I thought he was fantastic. He was physical. He was grabbing tough rebounds. He was the, there was a play where I don't remember who was in the quarter. It might've been Dennis Schroeder. Um, Reeves cut ball went to Schroeder Porter covered the cutter and then recovered back out and got a hand up on the three point line and ran Schroeder off the line. I think it, I think it resulted in a turnover. So he guarded, he covered, he, he dropped to cover the cutter and he went back to the three point line and defended and didn't give an open three. That's something that Michael Porter jr. A year ago, we would have never seen that out of. The growth probably not. It's like just, just not healthy enough. That he's he's not a liability on the defensive end anymore. Like I, I I've been so impressed. And even he didn't shoot well, but a couple of the shots he hit were big. Yeah, like, yeah, three, no, he absolutely. He was huge, and he had one. I, I, we're evaluating this as I must be really excited with what I saw from him or something, but. Um, they were up six late in the fourth and he had a wide open transition three and he let it fly. And I thought that was in, I mean, I thought that was, and it went in and out, but that's a shot. And he has no fear. And I love that about him. It was a decent look. It was in transition. He hadn't touched the ball for a while, but man, he let it fly. And you know, a shooter like that, if he's confident, man, if he gets hot in one of those games in the finals, he could win you a game. Yeah. And so maybe I'm over evaluating a, a small miss like that, but man, no, I know I thought he was tremendous in this series. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that the size for him, like his his athleticism, his physicality, his defense, his rebounding, those have all come to the forefront in this series. It hasn't been as much about the elite shot making. And against a smaller team like the like the Heat, it might be more about the shot making. That that might be what it ultimately is about. But like we talked about after after the last podcast or during the last podcast, I think that he is the perfect third option and, and has stepped up in that regard. And that's been super, super cool. Like he just deserves a ton of credit for, for being able to, to fill that gap. Uh, and like, it's, it's, you don't know when your opportunity is going to have to be to step up and his, he's still trying to figure out that timing, kind of like KCP. KCP, I think has perfected it. Michael Porter's still trying to figure it out, but he's, he's getting, getting really good at it. And, and I think that he is more talented than that role actually means. Uh, and like what it actually stands for, but on this team, he's going to be able to continue to shine. Like I, I don't, I don't see any reason why they can't continue to sh- to uh, make sure to get him shots. And then like he's going to be able to find that. It's all about the other stuff, and and Denver's really coaxed that out of him. Michael Malone's really coaxed that out of him. It's been fantastic. Yeah, the fact that I think someone mentioned it, I thought I saw a comment. Yeah, there it is. He is a he's a very willing passer. He used mm-hmm. to just camp early in his career and want to hit shots. He's got no fear to get to the lane and get into the, I mean, he, I wish he would do it a little bit more, but he can get himself to the basket. He can take a couple of dribbles and dish and call him Michael Passer Jr. Like <laughs> he's, he's his all around game has, has grown a bunch. And so, yeah, he didn't hit shots tonight, but in the past 
Mike hit, not hitting shots re- would result in him being taken off the floor. And that's not happening anymore. He's doing so many other things that still impact the game. Next up, uh, there was no bench tonight. Like, there's just, it's just not a thing like that happened. Uh, Bruce Brown played his requisite minutes off the bench. He played actually less than his requisite minutes. He only played 20. Usually he's been a kind of 25 to 30 ish over the course of this and like had, had some minutes where, where he was at 37. Uh, but tonight he did not play that. He played 20 minutes. Jeff Green played 10. Uh, Bruce Brown, I'm still going to you freaking haw because like, why not? Like he, he is. Oh, no, 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 no. We have to reverse jinx this too. Oh yeah, I, we've we said it before. What are we going to have to do to to have other people around the league say, "Ah, we don't want that Bruce Brown guy." That way he hops back <laughs> in because he's yeah. going to demand so much money. So let's let's get see if you can re- use some of your reverse jinx magic on on keeping Bruce around here too. I'll I'll type out "ha freaking ye" over <laughs> over the course of uh these next these next four Nuggets games, and, and we'll see if uh, we'll see if people forget about them. that'll that'll be actually. I mean. Look, he's talking to Jimmy Butler. That he, he ain't being forgotten. You know what? For sure. you know what my favorite Bruce Brown play tonight was because he only had six points. He didn't, you know, it wasn't a great Bruce game, but Tristan Thompson, for whatever reason, thought because he had a couple of defensive series where he was solid two or three times on the floor, thought he could talk. And so Bruce Bruce made a layup right next when we're over him and he had he had something to say back to Tristan, and then Tristan was out of the game a couple possessions later. So yeah. I really like that because you know what for whatever reason i know you're in the arena but tristan thompson was the espn halftime interview and that yeah i I saw that okay whatever guys like and i i saw the the you know like i saw the thing that they had on the tagline for him was hey he won a championship in 2016 like it wasn't anything about his stats wasn't anything about at that point yeah, like he he had forced a couple misses from Jokic, and most of the most of it was because Jokic played forty five minutes and couldn't like breathe anymore when when uh, Tristan Thompson was out there. But found a way, still still found a way to do it. But. Either way, that's my my Bruce play. Then that is him chirping back at at Tristan. No, I think it's totally fair too. Uh, and then Jeff Green. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a good Jeff Green game. Uh, that's fine. Like, look, it's it's not all going to be well and good. I, I think everybody else contributed positively. Jeff Green had a block. I don't really know what else Jeff Green did well, and usually I'm, like, trying to figure out the, the positives with him, but had one rebound, was a team below in the plus-minus, and it was only in 10 minutes. Like, Denver's going to need their seventh man to provide stuff, like, they got a combined eight points and three rebounds from their bench tonight. Like that, this was a this was a starters versus Lakers kind of game, and they 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 needed it. They absolutely did. But I don't know, man. Like they're they're going to need more from from their bench, including Bruce, but like uh, most especially Jeff. You know what? And you're kind of the expert in rotation and minutes, and I I was not shocked to see Christian not get minutes just because he's, I think you said it either last episode or, or two podcasts ago, this just hasn't been a Christian series, it's just matchups and size and whatever. I mean, he'll, he'll get back in the rotation, the finals, but were you at all concerned that Michael Malone only went to seven guys and didn't say, okay, I'm taking Christian out and didn't give a few minutes to anybody else and just wrote his starters over 40 minutes. Cause if they would have lost this game, I know LeBron and I know AD would have been in the same situation, but you've been coming back here with a bunch of tired legs when you could have maybe thrown Zeke Naji or if if you wanted to go a little more guard specific Reggie Jackson or even you know if you're gonna stay big even Peyton Watson. I mean I know we're we're not big on the whole idea of especially you've talked about it. You think it might be too soon for Peyton, but like one of those three maybe to absorb ten minutes or five minutes just. It just seemed a little weird that he chose this game to go down to seven. And I'm not sure I'm even critiquing it. I just kind of want to know what you thought about that. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm not surprised that it happened because here's like Christian played three minutes last game and he clearly wasn't ready. Like he clearly wasn't prepared. And I think that rather than mess with something, try to introduce something new into the rotation, I think that Michael Malone has his guys. He knows who he wants to play. He knows how they're feeling and, and what they're capable of and what they're not capable of. 
and I think that most of what he's been able to do has been good. It's 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 translated now. That's because Denver's got the best starting lineup in basketball, and Bruce Brown fits seamlessly with all of those guys, and they can basically use any combination of those lineups, whether it's three guards, Michael Porter, or Aaron Gordon, and then Jokic, or if it's Bruce for Jamal, or it's Bruce for MPJ, like they they could go to pretty much, or it's even Bruce for KCP. Like they have all these different combinations that they can go to. And so they can get guys rest. I, I don't think they actually manage the rest patterns that well. Like one of the things that I was uh, critical of him for was like he he didn't make a sub for ten minutes in that third quarter, and they they went on a big run, and that's a like that's fine, but it definitely tired out Jokic at the beginning of that fourth quarter, and and I think that that was one of the reasons why the Lakers got back into the game. It, it's like I don't think he trusts anybody else. That would be my that would be my biggest take yeah. is that on the road you have an opportunity to win. If you do win, you don't play for another week and a half. Go with your guys. Don't right. rest anybody. Like just, yeah. just go for it. And that's just there. It's what like, for. Like you said, I just think there was a couple of times where they just they look exhausted. A couple of shots that Jokic hits in his sleep. He was leaving short because he's he had played the whole second half for you know. So, but I mean, it, it is what it is. It's they won the game. I'm not yeah. saying right or wrong. I was just a little shocked to see he didn't go eight with somebody else if he felt Christian wasn't going to give him enough. Yeah, we'll we'll see whether that changes in the finals. But now we can talk about that. <laughs> we can talk about hey, what what makes sense for the finals, Michael? What 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 should they do for the finals, Michael? How how do you how do you feel about the finals? Like that's that's pretty cool. So well, they'll go back to he's going to go back to what he's done with his rotations, don't you think? Christian's going to come back in there and get him yeah ten minutes a night. I'm sure Jimmy Butler will say a lot of words to Christian Brown. Oh, and as he should. I mean, you know what he's going to say. I mean, one of the greatest things about Michael Malone is he's honest. He's transparent. He's, I think so many of the guys respect him because of that. He doesn't, he doesn't mince words. Like he's, he's going to tell Christian, Hey, you weren't great in the series, but we need you to win a title. No, you're going to get back out there. You're going to be in the rotation, go play 10 minutes, play great defense, hit an open shot here or there and rebound. And I think I think Christian's going to respond just fine, but I think they'll go back. And I think I think if you have Aaron Gordon and KCP frustrating Jimmy Butler like crazy, call me crazy. Maybe I'm looking a little too ahead of this, but I don't. I know Miami's on a historic run. I know they're a Cinderella story. I don't think they have enough to to compete and hang with the Nuggets for more than. I mean, six would be. Let's talk about it on the other side. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's make sure we'll, we'll have plenty. We'll have plenty of time, but uh, we are going to have plenty of time to talk about the Miami Heat. That's that's for sure. Like whether it's Miami or Boston does the impossible, which I, I very much doubt that they do. But we'll have plenty of time to discuss it. But first, uh, let's discuss. Uh, nah, let's now. Nah, let's not. Let's just go to a break. When we come back, we are going to uh, we're going to talk about the greatest season in franchise history so far. We'll be right back. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackbird here thank you so much everybody for tuning in uh for my audio audience uh, you guys have no idea that i spent about zero seconds uh, between between takes for that particular you know sound, what i've been producing this in the background all season and it still gets me when you go that quick yeah it's hilarious isn't it like it's uh like all right cool we're, we're just going we're just we're just going but that's fine uh no we're gonna have a having a good time with this Let's talk about the greatest season in franchise history now. Let's talk about what the Nuggets have done to this point. And and if you're in the chat, I want to hear your best moments of the season so far. What what you're excited about? What what got you the most pumped? Uh, if you're in the chat, type out your your most exciting times, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit here. But I think that like this is unequivocally the greatest season in franchise history, and for a lot of different reasons. But this is the furthest they've ever gone. This is the best quality team they've ever had. This is the moment where they may win an NBA championship. Knock on wood. Uh, 
I'm really excited about where it continues to go from here. But like you, you've defeated Nug Life in a lot of ways by sweeping the Lakers. Like you swept the Lakers on their home floor. What are we doing? Yeah, no, I agree with you that you know the those 57 win teams and the and the team that went to the Western Conference Finals in 09 that would have you can't change my mind. They would have beaten Orlando had they gotten past the Lakers and gotten to the finals. Um, we weren't alive for it in the eighties, but I've seen that 1985 team. I've seen plenty of highlights. I've, I've heard Bill Hanslick talk about it on end. If Alex English doesn't get hurt, if this doesn't happen, they maybe beat the Lakers too. But for this to happen now with the most, I don't even want to say the most underrated superstar in the, maybe the history of Denver sports, like the dude that is a two-time MVP and had an ESPN reporter say she's never even watched him play before this series. I think it makes it that much more satisfying that they fly under the radar and they get to use it as fuel. It's a, it's always an interesting thing to claim being the underdog when you're a one seed to claim being the underdog and being under discussed and underappreciated when you have the two-time MVP on your team. But I do think that there's some fairness to it. I do think that they they have a lot of gripes. They have a lot to, like the NBA has a lot to answer for. ESPN, to some extent TNT, they have a lot to answer for when it comes to the Nuggets. Uh, just the way that they are covered, the way that they are presented to the casual fan. They have not been presented to the casual fan. And, and to be able to see them turn this around in, in this way, it has been really, really impressive to see everybody kind of come around to the Nuggets be like, you know, oh, yeah, they're, they're they're legit. How many times do we hear it in this series alone? Oh, the Lakers found an adjustment. Or even before, they've, they've watched a p- bunch of film on Murray. They, they've got something. <laughs> they know how to defend him. They've got, then so quirky. <laughs> and Rui was going to shut down Jokic. Then, well, the Lakers should feel really good about where they're at. The moral victories, man, they're up two nothing. And after game three, you know, really the Lakers should be up two to one. These games were this like, come on, man. Okay. You just got swept. You just got swept. See how hard it is to team to sweep a team in the playoffs. No, I mean, no less the Western Conference Finals. No, it don't matter. It, it does not matter that the games were close. This team. All yeah, year. Like, Every conversation starts with the Lakers. Yeah. And Michael Malone, you know what? The, the best part about that is Michael Malone calls people out and then media outlets, instead of looking at it and being like, oh, you know what? He's right. Oh, we never did that. What? I don't know what he's looking It's it, It's laughable. And so I think I love that they're still in this position because whether it's Miami, I mean, Boston, if they go on some crazy historic – never been done thing run before and come back down three oh you know that's all it's gonna be talked about. But if it's Miami, Miami's still a major market. And so even though they're the eighth seed, they're gonna they have the history. They've got the championships with Wade and Shaq and they've got the championships with LeBron and Wade and Bosch and now it's gonna be Jimmy Butler just dragging them to the final like you know the narrative's still gonna not necessarily for a one seed they're not gonna get the coverage as a normal one seed does. And I think they kind of feast off of that. Oh yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. Like just, it's been really cool to see them do that. Um, let's talk about some of the best moments of the season. Uh, make sure to comment down below, of course, but uh, just going back here, Cedric says uh, most excited was when we clinched the first seed and remained composed throughout all the drama in March. Uh, not going to lie. I was, I was not very excited in March. That was uh I was I was the time where I, I had to I had to get a lot of people in line. You you were on this you were on these shows. You you understood like I kept telling people that the Nuggets were fine. I kept telling them, but the fact that I had to tell them and that it wasn't really like full on belief, I think that was a lot of Nug life kind of seeping into everybody. Be like, yeah, I don't know, just don't don't know if we're uh, don't know if we're cut out for this moment. And oh, it's just human nature to get a little complacent. You're the number one seed. You have been. It's a little monotonous. You're waiting for the playoffs to start. You know you're better than Orlando and Detroit and San Antonio. And he, like, I mean, yeah, you lost a few of those teams, but dude, I mean, they kind of—I don't want to say they mailed it in, but they knew they were just saving something for the playoffs. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of people were like, "Well, they didn't go eighty-two and zero. They 
people live and die on on every game in the regular and that's great i mean as a fan like you want them to win every game don't get me wrong but it's the bigger picture and i feel like that was kind of lost during that time oh there's there's no doubt no doubt at all uh five 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 ish says murray game winner in portland ag christmas day dunk uh I was there for for both of those. Like that's that's one of the the rare road regular season games that I was able to go to, and I'm so glad that I was there for that because you got to see a, a palpable sigh of relief from everybody in in that moment, and that was that was one of my favorite moments that I've ever been a part of was to see somebody who had been putting a lot of pressure on himself realize it's going to be okay was really cool. It was just really nice. Yeah, and the Aaron Gordon dunk I've seen in the comments a bunch here. So, oh, yeah. yeah, that's up there, too. Like, if you say top highlight off the top of your head, first thing that comes to your mind, go. It's got to be the AG dunk. I mean, the <laughs> dunk of the year, dunk of the last two or three years. Like, he he ended a man. Like, I'm not sure Landry Shamit still exists. Hey, Landry Shamit won game a, four. He had a random game where he went off in the fourth quarter in the playoffs, yeah. but... That was actually the ghost of Landry Shannon. Yeah, he hadn't been around in months. Yeah, Kozik says Jamal game winner basically changed the season for the team. I I actually think that there's something to that, just because the team had to watch Jamal kind of struggle and go through those ups and downs for the first, like, 20 games of the season or so, and then turn around and realize, okay, hurting a little bit, and then found a way. Then he, he found a way to rise to that moment. And that was, it was just really cool. Just as somebody who has a vested interest in his success, but like, like he is, he is very competitive and being able to do that against the Portland trailblazers of all teams was, was really cool, especially old teammate, Jeremy Grant shooting that over the top of them. That was great. Um, Justice says, honestly, jokes, uh, Yoke's last three, then HML shutting down King James is kind of a dream. I haven't woken up from apparently. I love it. I love it. That's a it's a it's a storybook. Like this is this is something I'll be able to watch back those those final five. Actually, I posted those final five minutes or so in my recap. Uh, there's there's a clip that the NBA did that they put on YouTube that has all of that time. So if you're if you're looking to reminisce, go check that out. But it was it was really cool to watch because like I got a different angle on it from where I was up in the press box, but. Really cool to see that that Joker shot for sure. Couldn't have happened to a uh, a more favorable team <laughs> in my eyes. The fact that the fact that that's how the series ended was Jamal and Ag shutting down LeBron. Oh God, that was just it couldn't it's have nice. ended any better way for me. <laughs> you know the Lakers shot more free throws than the Nuggets in every game this series. Yeah, there was something I saw something about that after the game. They averaged six and a half more free throws per game and lost mm-hmm. a series. That's the first time that's happened, and I think I can't remember the year exactly, so I'm not going to throw you a false stat. But it was sometime in the '70s. I want to say like somewhere in the mid to late, so about 45 years. That's insane. 45 years. That's it's nuts. Like this team is awesome. It's it's so cool to be able to cover and root for this team. Uh, I think the ineffable says. Jamal coming back was the biggest because of the crushing defeat and the long recovery of his injury. MPJ becoming a hooper and being healthy is up there too. MPJ is one of the best stories of the season. There's there's no doubt in my mind that he deserves so much credit for his ability to come back and then stay ready and stay as, as physically ready as he has been. It's been super cool to see him uh, at this stage. Like doesn't like doesn't get the national attention for it, but his ability to stay on the court in these moments both like from a health standpoint and from a defensive standpoint, I guess he's answered all those questions. Physically and mentally too. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. He he matured a ton this season. He grew up. I mean, not that, not that he was, you know, he, he's a young guy and I'm not saying that he was ever a problem or ever, a, but like just to watch him grow and understand the game a little bit better instead of just realizing that he's just a shooter was, I mean, it was like there was a quick turnaround in the middle of the season. All of a sudden Michael Porter just went, and he never, I mean, he never plateaued. He's still climbing. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Cedric says, uh, "When we defeated the Grizzlies at home on March 3rd, that was a great moment. That was a that was a pantsing of the Memphis Grizzlies, and and I just they, they never recovered from that. <laughs> well, that spiraled. Legitimately, that spiraled some other things. Actually, 
Shotgun Willie's, I think, needs to have a public apology to John Morant, I think, for, for hang his, ruining his, his career. There. <laughs> God, it's just oh man, that's a that's a that's a throwback for sure. Casey also says beating the Milwaukee Bucks, that was a big deal. Um, and then beating the Sixers back to back, even though Embiid once again ducked out of that meeting in Denver. There's no bigger coward, like no bigger cowardly move than than ducking that kind of game when you play every other game. He played everything else, tired himself out. Like that's that's what this season was like. He got hurt because he was tired at the end of it, but had to duck Denver. Oh, that was that was the one. He, he might have been tired, but you know he ducked that one. That's let's be honest. He played if, if he was really that hurt, he wouldn't have come back and played the night before, two nights before. Like he played the second he played it back to back. back right before this. Yeah. Holy was, shit. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. He was tired. Cause then he played the next game after that too. What a fraud. What a, what an absolute fraud. Honestly, maybe the best thing that happened was that he won the game against the nuggets and went crazy. That way he got his MVP. He cried for it. And the nuggets got to stay under the radar and just focus on team basketball. Cause Jokic never cared to be in that conversation in the first place. Even though everyone can see it by now, who the most valuable player in the, in the NBA is. Facts. Uh, also, having the ineffable, the Clippers benching their starters at halftime. That was that was a fun moment. That's for sure. That was that's that's I don't I don't remember if I've ever seen that before, but it was it was disgusting. It was disgusting basketball that the Clippers played, and the Nuggets just absolutely throttled them and deserved to be benched, hundred percent. Um. Others here. Oh, that's a good one. Where did it go? Oh, I see. I see this one. Yeah, the twelve zero run OT loss against the T Wolves. Championship composure, right there. Lamar says, uh, "I think you're right." Like that's say that was one where Denver had no business being in that game, and that they immediately go on that run to be able to tie that game against the the Grizzlies. Almost did it again in overtime. Yeah, it would have been would have been crazy. I think I was there. Tebow's fans were shook. They were like, holy God, there was, there was no belief that they were going to actually win that game after Denver had come back and tied that thing to go to OT. Um, but no, that was, that was a, that was a fun moment for sure. That was a fun, fun moment. Uh, what else? What else are we looking forward? Have you seen any, any yes. other comments that we should back up? Where did it go? This one right here. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. The fact that Jeff Green is two years younger than LeBron, they always talk about how old LeBron is and how long mm-hmm. he's been in the league, but Jeff's a 15-year vet, too. For him to jump like that over one of the best defensive players in the league that is seven feet tall, like he, he didn't dunk near Giannis. He didn't dunk by Giannis. He dunked on Giannis. Yeah, that was an unbelievable poster. Like that That's an infamous poster for sure. That's going in the final season cut. Like there's There's no doubt. Uh, like what a what a nutso, what a nutso player Jeff Green is. <laughs> He's there. There's like the sliders that everybody has. Like his slider for for dunking is just like it's all the way up. It's just just all the way up there. And for everything else, it's all the way down. Uh, but that's <laughs> oh, <fine>. Come on, <laughs> not that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. I'm uh for uh for like crossing half court. Uh, it's 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 never mind. I'm joking. We love Jeff. We love Jeff. We we we, we love Jeff on this podcast, but uh, deserves deserves a little bit of criticism. It's okay. I mean, that's um, fair. I would say slider jump down though. That's, I didn't mean it that badly. <laughs> uh, any other moments uh, from the from the comments? Um, I don't think I saw any that we big big ones that we missed. I'm scrolling through. Another one that was kind of that I can just think of on the top of my head that wasn't. It was kind of, I mean, it sucked that it was necessary, but it was the Jokic game winner versus Orlando. Yeah, that's one. That's that's one where and he didn't Denver, react. Denver screwed around the yeah. entire time. And it is him not reacting, I think, makes this kind of sweeter because like he, he knew what they would have to do. He he made a step back three, had to make a step back three tonight, had to make a couple step back threes tonight in the biggest game of his life. And just uh, just was able to get it done, and it's, it's it's really cool to see just the through line there. First half of Game Six against the Suns was another one. Oh, oh God! Like, just, just make it easy, man. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
there's been a lot of good moments. There's there's been a lot of good moments for the Nuggets, and it's been really cool to see. Been really cool to see them uh, just just rise to the occasion. But folks, the job's not done. Uh, last thing here before we get out of here, uh, we've been going for just about an hour, and I do want to stress this point that we should celebrate this moment. There's no doubt. Everybody celebrates this moment, and you get like 24 hours to celebrate it. And once those 24 hours are up, you take a break, you refocus, and you start to figure out, okay, how do you win the actual finals? How do you win the championship? How do you take that final step as a team to go from uh, amazing to immortal? And Denver's already set the tone in terms of history. They've already done a lot of great things. And I do think that they will win the championship, but it is not a conclusion. It is not a foregone conclusion at all because what Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat have done in these playoffs is amazing. It's flat out unbelievable. They took down Giannis and the Bucks in five. They have pantsed the Boston Celtics and will likely finish off this series and in short order. And then they uh, took down the New York Knicks, which uh, that was that one was expected to me. But like, still, like they they've been underdogs the entire step of the way. Kind of not not quite like Denver, but very close to Denver in, in how they are disregarded. And they also have a dog on their team, so like that is going to be stressful. There's no doubt about it. And there's no doubt that Miami can win games against Denver. Like they can't. Will they? We'll see. Hopefully not. No, hundred percent. I mean. To think that this team was in a play-in game and now is one win away from the finals, like they were counted out then, they were counted out in the Bucks series. Um, you thought that? I mean, I kind of agreed with you. I thought they'd beat the Knicks, but well, maybe it's New York bias. I don't know. There's a lot of people that thought the Knicks would win and move on, and then now nobody gave them a shot against Boston, and they're up three nothing. So you're 100 right. The job not done. Does that? I'm with you. I don't think that they have enough firepower to to beat the Nuggets, but. Everyone has said that about every other series, so you have to be careful with them. I mean, they've got they've got just the perfect. They're they're kind of built in a similar way to the Nuggets, where they have guys that understand their role and play them well. Like Jimmy Butler is the guy. He's not as good as Jokic, obviously, he plays a different position. But I mean, they've got they've got guys on the perimeter that can shoot. Gabe Vincent knows his role. Duncan Robinson can shoot it. Um, Max Drews can shoot it. Bam knows what he's doing. Like. They've got guys that just they play team basketball like the Nuggets do, and they've got a great coach. Yeah, like and they, that's that's a big one where you know that Spolstro will will come out with a lot of different stuff. He'll uh, he'll he'll figure out a lot of different ways to make life hell for the Nuggets, and and their life will be hell at various points for a lot of different reasons. But I do think that this team has enough. I think that I think that we've seen what their levels can get to. I think that we've seen what they are capable of doing and deserve like they deserve us so much credit for being able to rise to this moment. And, and basically anytime any question has been asked of the nuggets, they have answered it. Yes, we can. And I don't see any reason why they can't do it again. Like I, I think that the heat are fantastic. Uh, maybe Tyler hero comes back as Casey notes in the comments, but I, I still think the nuggets are okay. Yeah. I think they're going to be okay. And they deserve, like, there, there's just going to be, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot going into a finals. Like, you just don't know what that energy is going to be like until you get there. So, hopefully, they can make it work. Yep. If it is Miami, I mean, you got to be prepared for anything. And that's, I, I think the Nuggets, if you look at them on paper, that would be, I hate to say it, but if you if you just straight look at paper, don't look at what's happening in the playoffs, that would be, probably the weakest roster construction of any team they've played so far in the playoffs. And that kind of concerns me because I hope they stay ready. Yes. I, I would put Minnesota above them. But that's yeah. See, I'd put Minnesota below them in terms of like, I didn't, I never thought that Minnesota would fit. I know that they have, they may have some bodies that could actually give Denver some issues with Gobert and towns. And uh, Anthony Edwards is obviously a problem, but I mean, Jimmy Butler is a problem with a capital I love A. Jimmy Butler, man. And that dude was. <laughs> can you imagine if he would have been a Nugget four or five years ago? Oh my god! <laughs> it might be my favorite non-Nugget in the league right now. Yeah, just can't trade Jamal. Like, you know what? Anyway, you cannot break up this duo anymore. It's just, it's just never going to be okay. Too. Yeah. So, 
Now, I, I think that's a good thing about what you've heard about this team is all season long is that Malone has said it, all playoffs, and the players are all buying into it now in the locker room too. They keep saying, we got four more, we got four more, we got four more. They really didn't seem overly celebratory when they when ESPN kind of cut to the to the locker room camera. They were excited, but I think they I mean they were they were focused. And it seemed like I think you said it, I think I've seen it in the comments bunch. Job's not done. Job is not done. Folks, I, I think we gotta call it. I think I think it is it is late in the mile high. I know that it's what is it, one forty there? Good God. It's yeah. twelve forty here and I've got I've got a flight. What was that? (laughs) Well, I've got a flight tomorrow that I've got to get ready for. But, uh, folks, I I think it is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Michael, can't that outro music for us? Uh, Everybody, that is going to do it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. What a time. What an unbelievable story that this is. Everybody deserves a ton of credit for... Uh, their poise for their intensity for their focus and it's just a great night to be able to celebrate michael you have any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here oh man i'm just i'm pumped i'm so excited i know it's going to be a grind when we get to june 1st but let's for us the non-players and the non-coaches and just the fans let's just enjoy it until we get to that point it's, it's, it's history it's history baby Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. And hit that like button on the way out. We love you guys. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys very soon.